0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the April preview in today's scavenger hunt episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing a vision of visional royal Dalton Music Hall! What is, this? What is- It's been a while since I've done one of these. I think a year, actually, when I did my own scavenger hunt that I ran on Letterboxd back in April of 2019. Uh, that was a good one. I really enjoyed that. Uh, it was <laughs> the fastest one I had ever completed. I think I was done by the sixth of April that y- last year. And kind of, you know, heading in that same direction already. Uh, full disclosure: I'm recording this on Friday the 3rd, and I've already seen uh, quite a few of the movies on this list, but I'm, you know, it's a preview, not going to go into any of my opinions on any of the movies, I haven't really sat with most of them for a while, or none of them have reviews on Letterboxd yet, so uh, that's all still to come. Uh, But this is not a Letterboxd scavenger hunt. Uh, Letterboxd has their own, they do them every month, and they're great. And, and I think they're a great way to find new movies uh, that you've never heard of. To, you know, really fi- get, finally get to watch a movie that you've kind of been putting off for a while. I, I generally use my scavenger hunts to do things like that. Um, or, you know, you can also add stuff that you already plan to watch and knew you were going to watch. And this just kind of helps satisfy those things. And, and my lists are generally a mix of those three things. So, uh, this scavenger hunt is actually from the FML Discord. Uh, you know, in this coronavirus quarantine, uh, a couple of a friend of mine, Jeffrey, decided that it would be a good idea to, you know, get people to watch stuff and maybe even talk about it, kind of energize the community that that I'm a part of. And I really helped. I, I thought it was a good idea. I liked it. And so I decided to join in as I want to do. I also helped curate the list uh, of categories. We had the rest of the people in the community submit category ideas, and then Jeffrey and I kind of assembled and cobbled together what we could and tinkered here and there to to make things um, a little more accessible where where necessary so um. A couple of the categories relate specifically to Fantasy Movie League things, and I'll kind of explain those uh, as I get to them. Um, So, that is what we're talking about today. We're going to preview these movies. 30 movies for April. Here we go. The first category. A film that won Best Performer two or more times. Uh, So, Fantasy Movie League, if you've never played, um, or you did and, and... it wasn't for you. Best performer is equivalent to a movie that that weekend uh, ha- is worth the greatest value out of all the movies on the slate that are uh, up for uh, available to select. So every week, 15 movies in some capacity or another are give, given a price tag, and whichever one makes the most money relative to its cost is the best performer and gets a bonus amount of dollars. So There are quite a few movies that have achieved that task twice. And uh, this first category, you pick one. So I've seen almost all of them. And in fact, I think I've seen all but two of those prior to this month. The two movies uh, that I hadn't seen were War Room and Unplanned. They share a common theme. And uh, due to a category that I'll get to later on, Uh, the only option I could really pick for this was Unplanned. Uh, The idea here is you're picking movies you haven't seen, uh, which I always try to do, and uh, in order to be able to pick a movie you hadn't seen in a later category, I had to pick uh, Unplanned in this one. So, first movie, Unplanned, uh, which came out last year, and is an anti-abortion pure flicks movie. And, uh, that's all, that's all I'm gonna say about that. I'm not looking forward to watching it, and I have have very low hopes, very low hopes for it. So we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> Number two, second category, a film in a language you don't speak. Uh, could be any language, I'd only speak English, so my my options were very wide. Uh, I chose Black River, which is a 1957 film directed by Masaki Kobayashi. Uh, Kobayashi also directed my one of my absolute favorite films of all time, Harakiri, as well as a handful of great films, uh, all three parts of The Human Condition, Kwaidan and The Inheritance. Uh, this stars uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, uh, my, one of my favorite actors, um, as well as a handful of other people I'm familiar with who I've mentioned in the past on my uh, top 10 actor lists. So, Black River, kind of a movie I'd had on my radar. It's on the Criterion channel, easy to watch, and uh, a good a good fit for Category 2. Category number 3. A film that was nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie. Uh, there's a letterbox list that we found that lists all the movies that have had this... Uh, have this accomplishment. Sixty-eight films are on this list. It was updated five years ago, so I'm sure there's there have been new ones since then. Uh, but I had only seen about two thirds of the list as provided, and uh, there's quite a few. Uh, I kind of scrolled through looking for one that I don't know felt like I should check it out or hadn't had had on my radar for a while, and I ended up falling on. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, from 1991, directed by Kevin Reynolds, uh, who also directed Waterworld, uh, starring Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slater, Mary Elizabeth M- M- Mastrantonio, Alan Rickman, uh, Michael McShane, and among others. And uh, I, part of me feels like I've seen pieces of Prince of Thieves uh, as a kid, And it's one of those movies where I don't remember anything about it. So so I don't think I really did see anything from it. But uh, just, I don't know, there's a little element of familiarity to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Which I admittedly could just be because Robin Hood is a very popular story that's been told dozens of times. And I've seen a handful of them already. So, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oscar and Razzie nominee. Number four, the fourth category, a film that was released during your birth month of any year. Uh, so, I originally was looking through, you know, just um, I don't know. I jumped to like the '80s and was looking through mo- the month of October releases. Uh, but I decided to actually go with the a movie that came out in the month in the year that I was born, as well as the month that I was born, uh, which aren't a lot, and I've seen a couple of them and probably the most prominent one uh, that had the most actors in it that was relevant to me is Frankie and Johnny. So from 1991, directed by Gary Marshall, who uh, directed Pretty Woman, The Princess Diaries, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day, uh, Runaway Bride, The First Overboard, things like that. Frankie and Johnny stars Michelle Pfeiffer, Al Pacino, uh, Pacino as Johnny uh, is released from prison after being charged with forgery and uh, becomes a cook. And he becomes attracted to Frankie, who is Michelle Pfeiffer, who is a waitress at said restaurant. And it uh, sounds like it's going to be a, rom- a romantic film, a drama. Uh, but, you know, it has Michelle Pfeiffer and now Pacino in it. And that's good enough for me. Task number five, a sports film. For generic. Um, and I I kind of got into this with Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, but it is a hundred percent true for Rocky II, 1979, directed by Sylvester Stallone. I have definitely seen a lot of the Rocky sequels. But I was young, I don't remember which sequel they were attributed they, they were connected to. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I've seen all of any of them, uh, except for Rocky Balboa and the Creeds. So, maybe it's kind of a rewatch, but I don't know anything about Rocky 2, 3, 4, 5, I don't know how many there are before you get to Balboa. So, I, just, I put Rocky 2 here. And, um, I'm probably, my goal is to make Rocky 2 the last movie I watch of The Scavenger Hunt, and then <clears throat> I will just continue to watch the rest of the sequels until I've seen them all. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, depends on some how the release and, and availability of some of these other movies uh, goes. So Rocky Two is my sports movie. <clears throat> Task number six: a film that won a Palm door. A lot of movies have won the Palm Door. And a lot of them I haven't seen. Um, I went to. There's a Wikipedia page you can find. It just has all the Palm d'Or winners. Last year it was Parasite. Previously it was Shoplifters, The Square. Um, I Daniel Blake from Ken Loach I think is the most recent one that I haven't seen from 2016. <clears throat> but even you know a couple of you know there's like a handful of them I haven't seen from the 2010s. Uh, but I went really old. And I used this category as, a, as an example. I get really old as kind of um, an exaggeration. It's right about in the middle of, uh, of, of the Palme d'Or. Since they began all the way back in the 40s. I went with 1980's Kagemusha. Directed by Akira Kurosawa. Uh, this also stars Tatsuya Nakadai. Uh, among a couple of other famous Japanese actors at the time. It is one of, you know, the handful of Akira Kurosawa movies I still haven't seen yet. And uh, one of, kind of, my, it's it's the most popular one he's made that I still hadn't seen. And I'm, one I've been very, very, very much looking forward to. Um, it's three hours long. So, um, you know, I ended up putting a lot of long movies on my list. And... I don't know if it's going to catch up with me. It's going to catch up with me at some point. We'll see. I'm really excited for Kagamusha. Uh, following a uh, a feudal lord who has a uh, Kagamusha, which would be a shadow... Is that how they call it? A shadow warrior? Um, yeah, the shadow warrior. who So Ta- Nakadai plays the lord... And he also plays the Shadow Warrior, who is his copy, his duplicate. And uh, eventually assumes the Feudal Lord's role. And uh, shenanigans ensue, but also it's a drama. Kagamusha. Number seven. Task number seven. A fantasy movie leaguers five-star film. One of the channels on our Discord uh, is for movies, of course. Specifically non-spoilery, just talk about movies in a generic sense, and people have, you know, there's a huge post with a bunch of people's, uh, letterboxed accounts listed on it, so I was kind of perusing that list and looking for anyone who had rated a film five stars that I hadn't seen. Uh, I came up with about half a dozen movies I could choose from, and I ultimately decided to go with, uh, a film that Hirsch, a fantasy movie leaguer, um, Hirsch, thank you, a movie he rated five stars that I hadn't seen, that was previously talked about a couple of days uh, before I was selecting my list, uh, that is a remake of a movie I have seen. Uh, the, it is a remake of The Wages of Fear, and it's called Sorcerer. It's directed by William Friedkin. It stars Roy Scheider, uh, among other people. Uh, Friedkin, who made The Exorcist, The French Connection, uh, To Live and Die in, L- in L.A., Killer Joe, among a bunch of other movies as well. <clears throat> uh, Sorcerer follows four guys who are in South America and are transporting Unstable nitroglycerin across dangerous jungle terrain in a like a big heavy duty truck. Uh, it, I don't know how closely it adheres to Wages of Fear. I like Wages of Fear. I don't love it. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see how this approach to the same subject works. Um, I, I like Friedkin as a director, and so uh, I'm curious. And, and Roy Scheider, of course, is is wonderful. So. Hey, somebody gave it five stars. It's got to be worth something. So, task number eight a film with Will Farrell or Will Smith. Pulled up both of their letterboxes and uh, looked through all the films of theirs I hadn't seen. Uh, but, I, you know, there's a bunch on either side and, and movies I've been interested in. But I ended up picking Downhill from this year for Will Farrell, mostly because I'd already. I already have it and I was gonna watch it anyway and this easy checkbox don't need to strain myself too hard so downhill a remake of force majeure which follows a family on a ski trip ski vacation in the Alps uh, an avalanche occurs and uh, the actions of the married couple following the avalanche cause a very problematic rift to form between the two of them so Will Ferrell in Downhill is my number eight. Number nine. uh, Piggybacking off of the previous categories style, this one is a Stanley Kubrick or Anna Kendrick film. Kubrick, Kendrick. Uh, I've seen all of Kubrick's movies already. and I've pretty much seen all of Anna Kendrick's films as well. Uh, But, turns out, Trolls World Tour is going to be released digitally this month. Uh, In fact, cam versions of it are already available online. But, gonna try and hold out for, for, you know, the actual thing, if I can. But, Trolls World Tour, 2020, Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick, Sam Rockwell, Chance the Rapper, Anthony Ramos, Karen Soni, Flula Borg, James Corden, Ron Funches, a bunch of people directed by Walt Dorn, Uh, I watched the original, the first Trolls, back in 2016, four years ago, and I thought it was fine. Uh, I like Anna Kendrick a lot, I like the songs, fine. Uh, I liked Zoe Deschanel in the original. I'm not super excited for this, I wasn't looking forward to it, I expect it to kind of be worse than the first one, but, I don't know, maybe there will be good music. Musicals, they always have an opportunity to redeem themselves. So, number 10, 10th category, a crime movie based on real events. This one was a little tricky. Uh, I did a little Googling uh, to find some. I basically found lists of movies that were something like the top 10 crime movies uh, that you can't believe actually happened and things like that. Uh, and uh, i seen a handful of them. Uh, but there are a couple I didn't, and the one I ended up picking is uh, a multiple Academy Award nominee, and that's In Cold Blood from 1967, directed by Richard Brooks, uh, who did Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, The Professionals, and Elmer Gantry, uh, three films I'm fond of. In Cold Blood, uh, who doesn't, doesn't really star many big names, even of the time, uh, but it follows a story of a botched robbery, which ultimately turns into the brutal murder of a cup of a of a family, and, um, and and so I think the movie follows that, and then all, and then ultimately the two uh, culprits uh, and and their pursuit by the police. <clears throat> it's got a four point rating on Letterboxd, it's available in the Criterion channel, easy pick for me, and uh, hopefully a very engaging one, another two hour plus movie, there have been a couple of them already, uh, so another long one, but hopefully another good one, uh, because a couple of my, my scavenger hunts, if you've listened to some of the review episodes, they don't end with like, oh man, I loved half of these movies, I usually don't. I usually don't like many of the movies in my scavenger hunts, uh, but I think there's a lot of potential in this month. This this list. Next up. Number 11. A film that earned a posthumous Oscar nomination. So there's actually a list uh, you can find on Wikipedia. A list of posthumous Academy Award winners and nominees. Uh, originally this category was going to be posthumous winners, and uh, there's only about Twelve films that qualify for that, so we decided to open it up to nominees, and uh, there's quite a few that have that that's happened for. Uh, Some of the winners like Beauty and the Beast. uh, You know, Howard Ashman was um, passed away before uh, he won the Academy Award for Best Song for Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Walt Disney, of course, uh, for Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. Um. William A. Horning, uh, fantastically, uh, won two posthumous Oscars, both for Best Art Direction, one for Gigi, and one for Ben-Hur. So a bunch of things to choose from. Uh, I ended up going with something that did actually win a posthumous award for Thomas C. Goodwin uh, for Best Documentary Short Subject, and that's for Educating Peter. It's available online. You can find it, I think it's on YouTube, uh, or maybe Vimeo or something. Uh, But it's from 1992, and uh, it follows uh, a a kid named Peter who is, uh, he has Down syndrome, and it's just kind of his, him and and his teacher and his classmates trying to adjust to the differences between him and the rest of the students, and how he acts, and how the kids respond to him, and how uh, the teacher responds to him, and, you know, it's a really at times painful watch, but an illuminating one, you know, this is from 1992, you know, I remember as a kid growing up in grade school, uh, we had, you know, there were Down syndrome students, and, and students with uh, mental uh, disabilities in in my grade, and in occasionally in my classes as well, but by the time I was a kid, a lot of the, most often, you know, those students were taught, and you know separately, and I think you know the me and and most of my students we didn't really have any interaction with them. Uh, I don't remember any of that at all in middle school or high school whatsoever. And so watching this, you know, uh, this is going to show how those kids do interact with with a, with a student like that, with someone who is different from them, uh, and and how they respond to those differences. And I, I'm. Looking forward to it. Uh, short films, of course, always okay in a scavenge hunt, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and uh, all the more warranted, because I have a couple of, like, three-hour films in here. So, number 12. A film released in 2020. I already have a couple. Trolls, Downhill. Uh, so I picked one that I knew was already out and, and available on streaming, and that's Uncorked. It is on Netflix. It stars Mahmoodi, Athi, Courtney B. Vance, Nash. Nisi Nash? Nisi Nash? Nisi Nash? Uh, among others And it follows a kid who wants to become uh, A sommelier You know Someone who is a master of wine um, it, It's it's You know It bounces that aspiration Against uh, his family's or, or rather His father's expectations that he Follow in the family footsteps So sounds like a little bit Of a typical storyline, but you know, maybe maybe there's something to it. 2020 film. Got to watch them. You know, we don't have a ton and and we're not going to, you know, who knows how long the quarantine will last. It's going to be a while before we get a big theater release. So, number 12 is Uncorked. Number 13, an animated film that is not a Disney property. Uh, there's a lot you know, anime, um, any, like, French, German, foreign language films. Uh, you know, you can look at anything from uh, DreamWorks and Sony. A lot of options here. I took this opportunity to watch The Adventures of Prince Ahmed. Um, it's based on the story, based on various stories from the Arabian Nights, uh, it involves Aladdin and uh, a bunch of other segments of those stories. It's very short; it's only about an hour long. Uh, it's supposedly on the Criterion Channel, but when you click the link on Letterboxd, it does not work. Um, but I think I found you can find a stream of it online uh, with just bad subtitles. So uh, it'll be a, it'll be a challenge. Uh, it's a highly rated film. It is considered the first animated film ever, uh, featured film rather, not animated film, first animated feature film ever. Uh, one that I've had on my radar for a while. I'm really excited. It, the animation of it looks gorgeous from you know the, the very small sampling sizes I've seen. Uh, you know, it's it's got a flying horse and magic and and. Yeah, it, it you know I'm a big fan of animated films, and uh, I'm looking forward to this one. So, the Adventures of the Prince Ahmed. <laughs> Number fourteen, a film directed by a woman. Uh, I really like this category. I, it's a it's it's one of those things where like it sucks that this is a category because you know any of the films could be this category, but I like that it you know specifically forces. It to be a thing. And I chose another incredibly long film for this one, uh, Jean Delman 23, Quad de Commerce 1080, Bruxelles, uh, which is a 1975 film directed by Chantal Ackerman Ackerman. She's Belgian, Belgian film director, it is a French film uh, starring Delphine Seyrig, among others. It is almost three and a half hours long. And my understanding is that it is mostly Delphine as Jean Dielman, Jean Dielman uh, performing the duties of a housewife for three hours. I don't know why that would be you know, a 4.2 average rating on Letterboxd, why it would be 113th on Letterboxd's top 250 movies of all time if that were the case, but that is where we're at. So, uh, yeah. Jean Dillman. That is, that is my number 14. Long movies. Gotta love them. Long foreign language movies, even. Number 15. Reaching the halfway point. A film with a child in a leading role. <clears throat> this is. This one was probably the toughest to find something from. All the movies I could think of, you know, I'd already seen. And every time I thought I had something, I would just hit a wall where I felt, well, is this, is the kid, like, a leading role? I would search for lists, and most of them would just be, like, best child actors, and not always where they lead roles, they're just supporting or something. But, finally found one uh, that satisfies the task, and that I'm excited to see. It's called The Spirit of the Beehive from 1973, directed by Victor Iris. It is a uh, Spanish film that takes place after the Spanish Civil War. And uh, she is traumatized after seeing um, a version, uh, a screen of uh, 1931's Frankenstein. And, uh, it kind of just follows this girl who, I don't know, is questioning everything now. She's questioning life and death and the existence and, uh, how that all works. And and it kind of accelerates her maturity, it sounds like, to me. I don't know. Um, and, and then, it sounds like there's more to it than that. Uh, but that's kind of what I get, understand to be the, uh, Inciting incident. And, and subsequent follow-up. 4.1 average rating on Letterboxd. A lot of high average ratings uh, in this list. And this one is a little shorter. Only 97 minutes. It's on Criterion Channel. I'm up. I'm up for it. Uh, Spirit of the Beehive. It sounds interesting. Number 16. A foreign language film from Europe. Uh, I don't know. I, I I looked through a couple of countries, France, Poland. Um, but, you know, I ended up with looking in a lot of countries that I think, uh, and in a lot of languages that I, I feel like I've seen a lot of movies from, even though there are still glaring omissions. Uh, I still, you know, I've seen a lot of French films, I've seen a lot of Polish films. Uh, so I, I decided to pick a country that I hadn't seen a lot of movies from, and I went with Portugal. And so I found a Portuguese film. Uh, directed by Pedro Costa, called Casa de Lava. And uh, some brief synopsis. Uh, The film tells the story of Mariana, a nurse who leaves Lisbon to accompany an immigrant worker in a comatose sleep on his trip home to Cape Verde. The devoted Portuguese nurse took a journey only to find herself lost in abstract drama. Doesn't really tell you a lot, uh, but nurse taking a comatose patient to home? I don't know. Got a got a good score, got good reviews. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything else about it. Uh, it does start Isaac DeBanco, who I'm very familiar with. Uh, he's worked with, uh, oh, um, Vim Vendors, I believe. and uh, Maybe not Vim Vendors, maybe Jim Jarmusch. He's worked with Jim Jarmusch quite a bit. Uh, he was in Diving Bell and the Butterfly. He had a brief moment in Black Panther, Casino Royale, uh, Calvary from 2014. Uh, So, I got, there's an anchor. I have some familiarity, at least, within the cast. So, Casa de Lava, 1994, from number 16. And then, to pair with your foreign language film from Europe, number 17, a foreign language film from Asia. Well, I've already got a couple of those on my list, and I decided to go with a big film that I knew I needed to see. It's on a couple of top movie lists. It is number 37 on Letterboxd's top 250 of all time, and that is Woman in the Dunes, directed by Hiroshi Teshigahara from 1964. It is a 4.3 average rating on Letterboxd. I've only watched one film from uh, Teshigahara, and that's Ikebana which is a shorter film, which is a short film, 32 minutes, uh, about the Japanese Art of Flower arrangement. Um, and I don't even remember why I watched that. But I haven't seen any of his features. You know, he directed The Face of Another, Pitfall, Antonio Gaudi, The Man Without a Map, a bunch of movies I'm, I'm very familiar with, Hokusai. And uh, Woman in the Dunes is number one for him. It's his most popular film on Letterboxd. It's a movie and a poster I've seen over and over and over again. Uh, It is two and a half hours long. It's on Criterion Channel. Uh, It's a tagline. Haunting, erotic, unforgettable. An entomologist suffers extreme psychological and sexual torture after being taken captive by the residents of a poor seaside village. That does not sound like a good fun watch to me. So, sexual torture... My number seventeen, great. Number eighteen, a film that takes place primarily underwater. That was another one that was a little tricky, but uh, I actually ended up picking a documentary. Uh, Jacques Cousteau has done a couple of documentaries that are primarily underwater. I picked one that uh, was actually won an Oscar. him. Uh, one, I believe, best yeah, documentary feature. It's from 1956 and it's called The Silent World. Um, it's co-directed by Cousteau and a, a young Louis Mal, French, uh, French team, and it is noted as one of the first films to use underwater cinematography to show the ocean depths in color. So, you know, not only an Oscar winner, not only a film that's underwater, but also kind of a, you know, a landmark film, a watermark film, as I, if I may. Um, Yeah, they shot tons of footage across the Persian Gulf, the Red Sea, the Indian Ocean, the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, (laughs) According to the synopsis, they shot 25 kilometers of film over two years in all those locations. Uh, And about 2.5 kilometers, so 10% were included in the finished documentary. Yeah, The Silent World. From Jacques Cousteau. Number 19, a film that deals with isolation. Quarantine, isolation, it's 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 a subject matter that fits, makes sense. And I use this as a way to watch yet another foreign language film. This one from Kurosawa again. And that's Dersu Uzala from 1975. Another two and a half hour film. Uh, And this one doesn't star any of his normal, you know, cast. Uh, I read that this was the, you know, this is the first film Kurosawa made after his suicide attempt in 71. Um, It also has a bunch of, you know, it takes place in Russia uh, it's just a very, for me at least, and I don't know. I've seen quite a few of his films, so I feel like for most people, you know, it it's a very significant departure from from what he's made before. Uh, it's it won him an Academy Award. I guess it didn't win him an Academy Award, but it won an Academy Award for Japan uh, for best foreign language film that year. And um, yeah, so it, it follows a. Military explorer and uh, a Goldie man, uh, a Japanese man, Chinese man? Hmm, I don't know. Goldie? I'm not super familiar with. Um, <clears throat> uh, the guy who plays Dersu is Tuven. Tuvin. Not super familiar with that. Uh, essentially, there's a military explorer, and there's... Uh, the Goldie man is Dursu who is more of a... I don't know, just a wilderness man who knows the... You know, he can track, he can hunt, so on and so forth. Uh, two people who don't really have much in common. And uh, the film shows the how their bond forms, and, and how it impacts both of their lives, and people around them, and, you know, just, uh, they're, you know, they, they spent so long, you know, isolated from the rest of the world, out in the wilderness, and, and of course, Dursu Uzala himself is unique, he he's solitary, uh, that is his life, and so that is my isolation film, Dursu Uzala. Any any excuse to watch Kurosawa, boom, I'm in. Number twenty, a f- to to counterbalance films that deal with isolation, which probably not going to have a huge cast, a film that has a huge ensemble. This is it. Another three hour long movie, from Michael Mann, 1995, Heat. Heat is the most popular film on Letterboxd that I have not seen. It has been that way for. A decade? That's probably not true. It's been that way for like five years. It's a film that I have been putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off, for no reason, really. Uh, mostly just the length, I would say. Starring Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, John Voigt, Tom Sizemore, Diane Venora, Amy Brenneman, Ashley Judd, Michael D. Williamson, Natalie Portman, Ted Levine, Tom Noonan, Tone Locke, Hank Azaria West, Studi, Dennis Haysbert, Danny Trejo, Henry Rollins, William Fickner, uh, so so many people huge cast jeremy Pivens Andrew Berkeley um I'm just like scrolling through all the this um, you know it just there's so many people in this movie and heat i don't know it's a huge film it's a big one the fact that I haven't seen it crazy um uh, crazy finally knocking it out heat 21 a horror film I don't know, we got a lot of submissions that had, you know, horror in them. And uh, rather than pick any one, I just decided to go with any horror film. Pick whatever one you want. So, I picked one, another foreign language film. uh, But one that I, you know, I love the poster for this movie. And it's something I've been excited to to check out for a while. And that's Nobuhiko Obayashi's 1977 horror film, House. Uh, (laughs) Japanese film, Uh, a woman looking to connect with her late mother invites a bunch of her friends to join her uh, at uh, her aunt's ancestral house. And uh, presumably, from what I can gather, the house is haunted or otherwise possessed and um, people die. What it sounds like, if you look at the banner on Letterboxd, it looks hokey and ridiculous. And somehow this movie has an average rating of 3.9. So, and it's on Criterion Channel. So, uh, I don't know what I'm getting myself into with this movie. But I'm looking forward to it. Uh, It's one of the more popular films that I haven't seen on Letterboxd. uh, Especially among people I'm friends with on the site. So, felt like a good time to knock this one off too. Looking forward to it. 22 a film starring an mcu hero in a different role i went through a couple of options chris evans um, uh, mark ruffalo and, and scarlett johansson various heroes from the mcu i landed on a film from robert downey jr primarily because it was nominated for an oscar and this is 1989's chances are starring Sybil shepherd robert downey jr murray Stuart masterson Christopher McDonald and others, directed by Emil Artelino, uh who directed Dirty Dancing, Three Men and a Little Lady, sister act. Uh, chances are, which I'm not familiar with at all, was nominated for Best Original Song. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Louis Jeffries is happily married to Corinne. On the first anniversary, Louis is killed crossing the road, and reincarnated as Alex Finch. Alright, I don't need to read any more than that. I think I'll just be spoiling myself already more than I am. That is a very detailed plot description. Chances are, number 22. Number 23, and this connects back to the first category and why I had to pick Unplanned as my first movie, a film that was part of an 8X PC. So what that means, it's Fantasy Movie League. Um, like I mentioned before, the highest valued film gives you extra money. The highest value lineup of 8 films gives you a perfect cineplex. So if you know what's going to make the most money, if you know what's going to have the best value, you can generally figure out what 8 films using the available um money that you can spend will result in the most possible money overall out of every possible eight movie lineup if you do that you get an extra five million dollars to your score for that week every once in a while the perfect cineplex is the same movie eight times doesn't happen a lot um and uh over time uh the site has gotten better about pricing movies so that that's less possible and less likely because if you don't, play, you know, it's kind of a situation where if you're playing one of that movie, you're playing all of it, and if you're not playing it at all, and it worked and it's the perfect Cineplex, you fall very, very far behind. Um, this is the most restrictive of the categories by far, because there are only three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine films that qualify. I've seen eight of them, so the movies that you can pick from: Pitch Perfect Two. War Room, A Walk in the Woods, Deadpool, Baby Driver, Harriet, Playing with Fire, Queen and Slim, and The Way Back. Um, so, uh, War Room. Had to pick War Room. It's the only one I haven't seen, uh, and that pro- prohibited it from being picked as my number one film, or my first category film, which had to be the Unplanned. So, War Room is a 2015 film directed by Alex Kendrick, um, and uh, it shares a lot of similarities with Unplanned in its faith, and uh, in, and in how it approaches faith and and where it, where it's coming from. Uh, its tagline, "Prayer is a powerful weapon," but mostly it ex, it ex, uh, explores the role that prayer plays in uh, the lives of a spe- of a family and how it can you know change. Who that people are and how they interact with the rest of the people around them, and so on and so forth. War room. I don't know. I'm not looking forward to this one either, but it was a necessary, necessary pick. Number 24, a film that made a hundred million dollars or more worldwide. I went to Box Office Mojo, scrolling through the movies that have made the most money worldwide. There's a lot. I think there's like a thousand plus movies that have made $100 million or so. Uh, I didn't really have any reason to pick what I picked other than none. Uh, I ended up picking The Pelican Brief from 1993 starring Julia Roberts, Denzel Washington, Sam Shepard, among others. Uh, Mostly just because Denzel and Julia Roberts are in it. I don't know. Whatever. Two and a half hours, again, long Friggin' long movies, uh, yeah. It made a lot of money, and it's a movie that I'm curious as to how it made so much money. So, a film that made a hundred million dollars more worldwide, The Pelican Brief, number twenty-five. A film that Bess Flowers is in. This is pretty much my <laughs> category. Uh, there were a bunch of film categories that were submitted that dealt, dealt with you know a film from an older film in some capacity, a couple of categories that qualified, that kind of were aiming at the same type of thing. And so I decided, look, I want there to be a category that everyone, that's easy to pick something from, that forces people to watch something older, uh, but, you know, gives them a lot of flexibility. Best Flowers has been in everything, right? Like, I talk about her a lot, uh, especially on acting uh, lists, and uh, I've seen her in 103 films, and I'm not even 20% of the way done with her filmography. You know, I think, you know, by some counts, she's considered the most prolific actress in all of Hollywood in terms of how many credits she has. Um, Letterboxd currently has her at 583 credits. She's reportedly in, poss- you know, in over 700 movies in her career. It's a lot. It's a lot. <clears throat> so uh, I ended up going with a movie that was going to hit on a couple of things uh, besides Best Flowers. I went with Designing a Woman from 1957 directed by Vincent Vicente Minnelli uh, who did An American in Paris, The Bandwagon, Meet Me in St. Louis, The Bad and the Beautiful, Gigi. bunch of films I've seen. Some I like. This one stars Gregory Peck. And Lauren Bacall, and that's why. Lauren Bacall uh, was born in 1924, which means she is someone potentially eligible for my top 10 actors born in the 1920s list, coming out this month later. And so, you know, I'm watching a movie with her in it. It's that simple. That simple. Designing Woman. Also a movie that I looked for in the past. It's nominated for an Oscar uh, and I uh, had a little difficulty finding, but I was able to find it, and I was like, hey, this, this, is, this is perfect. So, number 25 is Designing Woman. Number 26, a film that made $2 million or less worldwide. And this is where my list kind of... <laughs> there's a short period here. I call it the Brad Pitt banjo period. So, um... Other people had already been sharing their list With everybody by this point when I was making mine somebody, One of the people On Letterboxd, Banjo Is Doing a journey of Brad Pitt He's watching all the Brad Pitt movies uh, Because he doesn't like Brad Pitt uh, I like Brad Pitt uh, But there are quite a few Of his movies I haven't seen And I was looking at his list and the next three movies I believe are all just copped straight from his list uh, Because they're all Brad Pitt in them. And so this one is Johnny Swade, 1991, directed by Tom DeShillo, starring Brad Pitt and Catherine Keener, among others. Also, Samuel Jackson makes an appearance. Uh, Johnny Swade is just a young musician who is a fan of Ricky Nelson, and he has awful hair. And that is the extent of the plot of the movie, as far as I'm aware. It's supposed to be pretty bad. Um, Looking at the review, Banjo has already seen it. And he gave it 1 out of 5 stars. Johnny Swade, Number 27. A film that has less than a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is another Banjo film with Brad Pitt in it. Uh, This one is from 1992. It was directed by Ralph Bakshi. Bakshi? Uh, I've seen one film from his called Christmas in Tattertown, which is... Horrendous Horrendous So I don't have high hopes for Cool World Kim Bas- Kim Basinger, Gabriel Byrne Brad Pitt, Michelle Abrams Bunch of other people Mixing live action and animation uh, Yeah I don't, know, I don't know about that We're gonna see It's not gonna be who framed Roger Rabbit Can't be, not possible Cool World, number twenty-seven, and number twenty-eight. The last of the Brad Pitt films. This one is a film starring a real-life couple. So Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, they are a couple. They've been in a couple of movies together. Uh, I've seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So this time I chose a Netflix film. It's not a Netflix film, but it's on Netflix called By the Sea. It's from 2015. It is directed by Angelina Jolie, starring Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, and Melanie Laurent. Uh, who I really like, I really like Melanie Laurent um, I think she's great I I don't know, I haven't heard any good things about By the Sea uh, I remember when Angelina Jolie made Unbroken There was a little hype around her as a director But I think that seems kind of waned And, and lost its spark um, By the Sea, mid-1970s Takes place in France uh, Julie and Pitt play a married couple uh, Pitt is a writer um, Julie is a former dancer And now Pitt is, you know, he's in a Writer's block slump And the two of them are trying to kind of I don't know, be happy Because their marriage is sort of Drifting apart And uh, they're hoping that a, a trip to the Countryside will Help That is That is the the Where things start by the sea. Uh, so, I don't know. Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, how bad can it be? We'll see. Rhyming. Alright, the penultimate film. A film based on a TV show. So, I mean, I don't love this category for the simple reason that, like, some of these, I kind of would want to watch the show first. Uh, but, then I like looked at the, the list. There's a Letterboxd list, TV on the Silver Screen, that has 55 films that are adapt- adaptations from TV shows. Some of which I wasn't aware. Others I knew. <clears throat> and uh, most of them, I never saw the TV show. So uh, then I, you know, who cares at that point? Um, you know, things like uh, Charlie's Angels, Bewildered, uh, Anne Flux, uh, Lost in Space, The Naked Gun, Inspector Gadget. Um, Maverick, Underdog, George of the Jungle, Yogi Bear, A Town Called Panic, etc. etc. So, I sorted the list by popularity. And then, uh, one film sticks out far above the others, and that is Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, directed by David Lynch from 1992. I have not seen a single episode of Twin Peaks. I don't know a damn thing about the show Other than it's weird It's about all I can do, all I can say uh, So I don't know If I need to like look up synopsis Of the show at all To get my bearings But um, We'll see Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me One of the higher rated films that I haven't seen On Letterboxd, one of the more popular films again On Letterboxd that I haven't seen And Now's as good a time as any. I'm curious uh, to see... Yeah, I, I'm curious to know like how much of this I need to be aware of before I jump into the movie. Or if it kind of manages to exist apart from itself. I don't know. It's on the Criterion channel. So, uh, Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me. Which brings us to the final film on this scavenger hunt. A film that prominently features trains. Um, a lot of films apparently feature trains. There's a list on Letterboxd from Vince DiMeglio. Trains, trains, trains. Uh, it has 211 films on it, which is far more train films than I ever thought were possible. Uh, some of the big ones, you know, Snowpiercer, Train to Busan. Hugo, Murder on the Orient Express, The Darjeeling Limited, Source Code, The Polar Express, Strangers on a Train, The Girl on the Train, Throw Mama from the Train, Unstoppable, uh, The Great Train Robbery, etc. The Taking of Pelham One Two Three. A lot of films I've seen. Um, so I sorted by popularity again, what I tend to do, and I just pulled open like the top, you know, fifteen or so. Twenty or so films on this list that I hadn't seen, and I scrolled through. I eliminated the ones that didn't have Oscar nominations. Um, you know, I eliminated the ones that I you know didn't catch my eye, weren't interesting, the ones that were supposed to be bad maybe. Uh, and I ended up with a movie called Bound for Glory from 1976, directed by Hal Ashby. It is a biography. Uh, and it stars David Carradine and Ronnie Cox, among others. It's nominated for uh, many things, including winning multiple Academy Awards. And it is, again, two and a half hours long. Um, biography of Woody Guthrie, uh, who was a folk singer, American folk singer. And he rode a train around and, and performed, is what I gather and that's it, I don't know, musical, I'm into it, folk songs, folk, you know, kind of the, my preferred way to hear country music, folk, not the same, but you get what I mean, not a fan of country, but folk's fine, Uh, that's it, Bound for Glory, those are my 30 films, I think I normally, like, run through the 30 films again, uh, when I've done these previews in the past, I'm not gonna do that, I think that's a lot, um, also I can kind of feel my throat getting a little scratchy, so going to avoid it for now. But if you are unfamiliar, I have not done a scavenger hunt in a year, uh, at the end of the month or, or, maybe early in, in May, depending on what I choose, uh, there will be a review episode for the scavenger hunt where I will take all the movies. They will all have been rated by out of a hundred at this point. I'll do a top 10, top 10 best movies of the month. Uh, or top ten best movies of the scavenger hunt. Uh, then I'll also do a various superlatives: uh, best actor, best director, best scene, funniest movie, best movie, worst movie, uh, and and other things like that. Uh, that um, you know that jumped out of me from the from the month from this these this group of thirty films, and you know see see what things see see where I'm at, see what things see how worth it. This scavenger hunt was and, and what I got Out of it so The FML discord scavenger hunt The list my list is on Letterbox. you can find It there if you want to see it Um or keep up And make your own Uh the, the I guess there's no easy way to find the Tasks themselves but I would say Just do the regular april scavenger hunt uh, if there's still time Or you know prepare for may we got a lot of time left indoors in this quarantine. So, got to make good use of it. And for me, good use of time is watching movies. Uh, That's going to be it, though. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. It does mean a lot uh, that you would choose to spend your quarantine time with me. If you'd like to find more episodes of the show, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, places where podcasts can be found. You can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film. You can find me on Twitter at Circle of Film. You can find more episodes of the show and more elements of the show. You can find past lists, scavenger hunt, reviews, uh, and so on at the website com. You can support the show by liking it, rating it, reviewing it, subscribing to it, tells, telling somebody about it, or just listen. Listening is the best thing you can do. Uh, but if you are so inclined, if you have the capacity to do so, you can also... Um, become a patron at patreon.com patreon.com slash circleoffilm, where for as little as 8 cents an episode, uh, or I guess not during this 2 months, cut or however long it ends up being, uh, where there's only 2 episodes a week, but for as little as $1 a month, you can be, have, gain early access to all the episodes that are released early. Of course, I have to thank Brian for being such a wonderful and generous Patreon subscriber. It does mean a lot. And uh, of course I thank you for listening. It you know, it makes all the difference that you're there. That you're there, that I got your ear. Weird. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, thank you for listening, and as always, have a week.
1: So long farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know
0: she'll never leave me, even as she f- Really left or lost without a trace? Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh what we say? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute.